Welcome to the Unscripted Authentic Leadership Podcast, a podcast we're seeking to lead change while also seeking to understand. We're also here as a platform for leaders to come together to unite, to develop, and empower other leaders in the areas of business, family, and community. I'm your host, Lafayette Lane, joined by my co-host, John LeBron. Today, we are joined by our special guest, Ryan Hawk. Put those hands together, put those clappy moves in the comment section, make Ryan feel real good right here on Unscripted. Ryan has joined us to have a conversation about the pursuit of excellence. Just a little bit about Ryan. Ryan Hawk is the author of the books, Welcome to Management and the Pursuit of Excellence, the Uncommon Behaviors of the World's Most Productive Achievers. He is also the founder and host of the Learning Leader Show, a podcast with millions of listeners in over 150 countries, which was named a top five podcast to make you a smarter leader by Inc. Magazine. He has interviewed notable leaders such as Jim Collins, Adam Grant, Kat Cole, Dan Pink, Gary V, Simon Sinek, and many others. And today he has joined us right here on the Unscripted Authentic Leadership Podcast. Ryan, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate the, uh, the warm welcome. Absolutely. Well, man, let's get right into the conversation. We're talking about the pursuit of excellence. But before we get into that, I really want to get your backstory of how you got into leadership, how we got into the whole pursuit of excellence, writing books and just, you know, being that standout leader that you are. Give us your backstory. It's really an upbringing in athletics, played football, baseball, basketball growing up and fortunately had a great family. parents and brothers to grow up around, was fortunate to get a college scholarship, played um, in college at both Miami University and finished my career at Ohio University and then played a little bit afterwards in the Arena Football League. And um, so I played quarterback. So that's a position where there's um, you're kind of thrust into a leadership role. You need to be a leader. So I I think that was super helpful, helpful for me. And then when I had to get a real job after finishing playing sports, um, I went like a lot of former athletes in the profession of sales um, and and kind of figured some things out uh, after getting a lot of help from some great mentors and got promoted then a few times. So I went from a uh, sales rep to then a manager, then director. And then um, I was a VP of our, our North American uh, team for a company called Elsevier Clinical Solutions, selling in the healthcare space, responsible for about a $500 million team. I left that job and left corporate America to do what I do now full time about four and a half years ago. And now that's, as you mentioned, recording my podcast, which is the foundation for everything, writing books, helping with leadership teams at various companies. And uh, it's pretty pretty fun, it's cool, it's fulfilling, it's hard, but um, I feel very fortunate to, to get a chance to do it every day. Now, you said you you had a successful corporate career, but four and a half years ago, you left and start doing your own as an entrepreneur. What made you do that? Was there any fears behind that? And what made you want to leave your successful corporate career to start doing your own thing? Uh, you mentioned Dan Pink earlier when uh, with some of the notable guests I'm having. I've had on my show, I'm having Dan on today, actually, uh, to talk about his le- recent book, uh, which is about regret. And the reason I share that is because the question that I posed to myself about four and a half years ago or about five years ago was what what would I regret less? Mm. Not giving it a go or, um, or, or going for it. And I thought I would regret not going for it more 
than 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 the, the former. So uh, that's partially why I chose. Also, to me, I'm I'm really motivated as a dad um, to uh, kind of chart a path to say that anything is possible. It sounds kind of cheesy, and maybe even cliche, but um, I like the thought of being able to point to my career as something to say, like you can create your own career. Yeah. for yourself and i hope that that my actions will uh, inspire first and foremost the people in my family and, and and so that's part of the motivation too and you know like it's it's really um fun and cool to be able to create uh a, a job for yourself create a new way of of working i would have never ever envisioned that even five i mean six years ago there's no way i would have thought that this was possible so i think that's that's part of the fun part too. What do, what do you say? Um, we have we have a, a good mix of entrepreneurs and like middle management sort of listeners, right? And what would you say to those who are sort of management, kind of in your position, and say, "Oh, I hear this a lot. I would love to do something. I just don't know what." But then the big, I think the biggest issue is is they're scared because of that false sense of security. How did you? How did that? I have my own opinions on when I was at a, in corporate America and then got out of corporate America and how that security thing felt. But what do you say to towards that? Um, like the guaranteed salary, well, quote yeah. unquote. I mean, I would have never done it if the opportunities weren't overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't just leave for the fun of it. Uh, I left because I was literally running out of PTO days to go give keynote speeches mm -hmm. and to work with teams. And um, that was a big part uh, of it was the fact that there was a, there that over the course of doing my podcast for years mm -hmm. um, and, and publishing hundreds of episodes that then created the opportunity to get a book deal, to work with leaders, to go and tour the country and giving speeches. Um, all of that happened before I left my job, not after. So I would say the opportunities were popping up very frequently to the point where I, I had to make a choice. Mm -hmm. Do I go this route and, and go for it and give 100% of my time and effort to, to this as opposed to where before I was giving like half or less than that? Um, because too, as you rise up in a company, you have you have more and more responsibility. It just becomes too hard. There's not enough time yeah. to do both things really well. And so I felt like uh, I was starting to get to the point where I was doing both things kind of average or good. And I wanted I'd rather be great at one thing than mm -hmm. average at two. So that's mm -hmm. where when I I would caution people, I wouldn't just leave for the sake of leaving or start something for the sake of that. I would establish the fact that it's real that people are literally willing to cut checks for that work so that you can support your family. I was, I would never have left and not support my family because first and foremost, I'm a provider. And mm -hmm. if I don't, if I don't do that, then I'm a failure. So I, mm -hmm. I have to provide for my family. So um, it wasn't on a whim or it wasn't like crossing my fingers and hoping it was because the market had told me that this was real and that there was a chance that this could work. And then I really leaned into it. And, and obviously, I'm, at this point, I'm, I'm really glad that I did. So it started off as a side hustle that you worked hard on outside of work and then established yourself and so forth. 
and never and never intended to make any money from any of this. It yeah. was it was I started the podcast as a, to my to create my own form of a leadership PhD program. I had gotten my MBA, but I didn't love the entire process of getting my MBA because they 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 give you the list of classes and teachers that you have to go to, which wasn't that fun for me as I got older. I love learning, but I love being to choose what I'm going to learn. And so mm-hmm. my podcast was was instead of going back to school again, it was, I want to create my own form of leadership PhD program, not be told who I had to go learn from, but I'm going to choose my professors and I'm going to interview them and ask them the questions I want to ask. And then I'll learn in public and I'll publish that. And then hopefully it helps other people. I would have never envisioned that, that that many people would, want, would have wanted to listen and that, that, that not only that, but they would want to take it a step further and maybe do some work together. So there wasn't any ambition to make it a business. There wasn't any ambition to make money. In fact, I mean, I lost, as you guys know, when you produce a podcast, you it costs money. I yeah. lost money for two years. I didn't. I didn't even try to make money. I, I just spent it as like this is an investment in my education. Yeah. The, the results then just started to happen as we got into it for a few years. But it wasn't. There was no ambition to ever earn or make it a business. Yeah. Everything that you've been talking about has been a pursuit or a journey. And you have written your latest book, The Pursuit of Excellence, The Uncommon Behaviors of the World's Most Productive Achievers. Can you talk to us about that whole concept about the pursuit of excellence? Because I love how you defined it. It's not just to pursue our journey, because I think a lot of times people are like, I'm on a journey. I'm on a pursuit. I'm trying to fulfill purpose. And it's kind of vague. But you're, you know, narrowing it down to say, hey, this is a pursuit of excellence. You break us, break that down for us, and unpack that for us. I think, I think what it, to me it's really about is the 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 comparison of success versus excellence for me. And to mm-hmm. me, success is a comparison with other people, and excellence is a comparison with yourself. And mm-hmm. so this pursuit is just a an intentional intentional actions to be better tomorrow than I am today, to be a little bit wiser when I go to bed tonight than when I woke up. That's it. And so if my intentional pursuit and I have actions in place to ensure that that happens, that's what the pursuit is all about. That's what that's what excellence is about. It's it's there's not really ever a destination. You don't really ever get there. It's just this one kind of goal to say, what am I doing today to ensure that I'm going to go to bed a little bit wiser than when I woke up? That's it. So I'm not, I don't need to compare myself against anybody else. It's not helpful. I think comparison, it, the, the adage is true, is the thief of joy. Whenever I find myself doing that, when looking at social media, you know, it's a reminder of like, that's not what this is about. This is, this is about me trying to get a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. And that compounding effect of that has amazing returns. And then the results take care of themselves. That's why I love Bill Walsh's book. The score takes care of itself. You know, mm-hmm. I have football background. He does too. It, it's really, it, it wasn't really about the score. The goals weren't about winning. The goals were about getting better each day and then having standards of performance each day to live up to. And then the score will take care of itself. To me, that's excellence. That's what excellence is all about is being in pursuit of that. So there's not really a destination. There's not really, Hey, we made it. There's not really an arrival. It's just a, a, a continuous kind of pursuit like this. And if you're doing things that I think fulfill you, then there's a chance that the score will take care of itself. A good chance 
And so that's just what I'm trying to do. And I think I just kind of stumbled into it because I, as I told you guys, there was no ambition. There was no plan. There was nothing like I'm, I want to get to this certain spot. It was, it was out of my curiosity. It was out of, out of my desire to get better. It was out of my desire to learn that I started kind of what this is. And, and so I've kind of tried to stay true to that. And, and, and because of that, it seems like good opportunities arise. That's so cool. I think a lot of us run into sort of fall into a personal development thing, whether you were given a book one day, that was my story. And I thought, what is this stuff? And I never heard of self-help books or anything what like book? that. And, what was, and I was What's that? What book? The first book I ever read was called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and then yeah. Who Moved My Cheese? And I read both of them about the same month, just from a friend. And I thought, I was in college. I was not a reader. I hated reading. And I thought, uh, what is this stuff? Like, it was just like food for the soul. And then that just started the journey. I just started reading, see you at the top and all these other things. And, um, but you mentioned you wasn't, you're, you weren't looking for it, but once you found it, you're like, what is, what is this? I need, this is, this is good for me. I feel good about this. Um, you, you mentioned a daily pursuit of pursuit of excellence. I find a lot of leaders have sort of a, a routine, whether it's a morning routine, evening routines, give us some insight to sort of how you set up your day, that kind of thing. Um, uh, yeah, I think like, like a lot, I'm probably similar. Uh, it starts the night before and planning for the morning. I'm a workout guy. So, uh, I believe in, you know, pushing around heavy things, uh, moving my body as fast as possible. Uh, so lifting weights, running, um, calming down on the elliptical reading, uh, that's a part of, uh, every day. So I think I have kind of that mental ish issue where if I don't do it, then the rest of the day is bad. I don't know if that's a good thing. I mean, maybe there are parts of it that's good because it kind of forces me to work out um, every day. Um, but that's a big part of my early mornings. Um, I like to try to stretch and hydrate and, and document some thoughts, um, read a little bit, work out, and then it's um, family breakfast time with with my family, walk my seven-year-old daughter to the bus stop, and then it's time to get to work. So that's, that's, that's kind of a, my wife kind of makes fun of the fact of how regimented I am, but I've, I've been regimented for a long time. It served me well. Uh, I feel kind of good and it puts me in a good position when I, when I really push myself physically, because it helps me mentally when I spend some time with my family before they go to school and then it helps me get after it. Um, at nighttime, you know, we're my, my wife and I are Uber drivers. We have kids, they play sports. They're all over the place. We go to practices, games. I was just at a volleyball tournament all weekend, uh, out of town, staying in hotels, doing that fun thing. So, um, it, it can get turned upside down, uh, especially as parents. Uh, but it's, it's the best. I mean, I wouldn't trade it for anything, but yeah, every morning is pretty, it's pretty regimented. And the reason I choose the early morning is because um, nobody else is awake. And so that time is to myself and I can really do what I need to do. And it doesn't get in the way of any family time or anything else because they're all sleeping. Um, and then that gives me a chance to kind of get done what I need to get done in order to feel good for the rest of the day. Mm. Can you, can you break down the difference between what a manager and a leader can you break down the difference between those two so i think managers are good at, at working within the the, the the current system for which they get brought into uh 
managers are typically more of a title. Um, leaders are, cho are as a, leadership is a choice. So I can choose to be a leader regardless of my title. A manager is usually a, a title. I had that title. Regional sales manager was my first management job. That was a title given to me. I don't know if I was a quite um, an accomplished enough leader yet, but I was a manager. So uh, I think you have to kind of figure out how to work within the systems you're in. Leaders are more about uh, the choice. Uh, the title doesn't matter. Um, anybody can choose to be a leader. I think leadership is all about utilizing uh, talents and skills and emotional intelligence to move people towards a noble cause. And again, that has, that's irregardless of title. Um, whereas, whereas managers, you, it's more operationally uh, within the system that you're in. I think you need to do both really well. I think they're both really important. But I, I also think there are differences between the jobs. Uh, I know Tom Peters is on my podcast and argued with me about the fact that they're the same thing. Um, you know, I agree with just about everything he says. That's just one of them that I don't. <laughs> I'm with Go you. Ahead, bro. <laughs> I mean, John Maxwell says a leader is anyone with a following. So like by definition. And so that if, if you look, he says, if you look behind you and there's no one there, then you're not leading anybody. Yeah. And I think the, 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 the what, how that, what that prompts you is, is to say, do, are my actions, do my actions make me worth following? I mean, that's great. I love John Maxwell's stuff. He's, he's one of the greatest. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's what, that's the prompt I would ask myself is what, mm -hmm. what I'm doing. I ask myself as a dad or as a husband and certainly as a leader, it's, are the, the things that I did today, are they, is it, is it worth following me? Is it worth, worth listening to me? And, and some days it's not. And so I, I, I want to, I want to regularly ask myself that question to make sure I'm, I'm at least trying to do that and hopefully accomplishing it some of the days. Yeah. Someone can be a manager and there'll be nobody following them. They might be telling somebody what to do, but they're not necessarily following what they do, but you can be a leader without a title. You might be leading your family you might well, be leading some things in church. I mean, you can. So, so I, I wrote, and you probably read it, but compliance can be commanded, but commitment cannot. You choose to make mm -hmm. a commitment to a leader. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. If if you're my boss, I I I have to comply unless I'm okay being fired. So that's why you can command somebody to comply based upon your title, but you cannot force them to commit to you. You have to earn that. And leaders, regardless of title, can earn commitment, right? Uh, I, I would much rather earn commitment than force compliance. And I think that's a big difference too between someone you choose to lead or choose to, or someone you choose to follow. I'll tell you what, you got some t-shirt one-liners on here. <laughs> um, you've, uh, so You've inter obviously interviewed a lot of leaders. You mentioned Dan Pink and some others. What are some like common traits that you've noticed of these leaders in the pursuit of excellence while interviewing them? Um, okay, we could go for a while. Uh, I'll 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 pull from one of my favorites was Cat Cole episode seventy eight. So it's been a long time, but um, I think the. And she coined the phrase productive achievers to me many years ago. So I, I, I still use it. Obviously, it's a subtitle. I think on one side, they have a great deal of courage and confidence. Uh, courage to stand up for what they believe in. Confidence that has been built up through 
a track record of good things happening on a regular basis of making sure you're doing what you want to do. So, right, you're not going to follow people who don't have courage and who aren't confident. I think confidence is is very necessary, but on, they have to be equally balanced on the other side with curiosity and humility. Curiosity to say, I am always out there. I'm a learning leader. I'm always out there striving to learn more, to understand what's a better way to do this. And then also the humility to, to make sure others know, like, hey, I don't have this thing figured out. I need you. I, I want to work with you. I am not certain of everything. And so I think this, this equal balance of courage, courage and confidence with curiosity and humility leads to, I think, a, 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 probably a pretty effective leader. You put a, a quote up about on Instagram about talkers versus doers. And you said if it adds value to the lives of others, people will share it. Can you unpack that for us? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I so this is a smaller excerpt from my book that that yeah. was learned from my parents about you know, talking about their kids' sports exploits. A lot of a lot of parents like to brag about how awesome their kids are at sports, and my my mom and dad were pretty intentional about the fact that they just weren't going to do that. Um, they said, let other parents talk about how good you guys are at sports. Now it helped that we were good, I guess. So they, they, they felt pretty secure in that, but um, that's kind of where it stemmed from. My dad's always been more of a doer than a talker. He can go give a great speech. And that's, I think that's important. That's part of the doing is, is sharing to me. It's, it's, um, I'm sure you guys hear this too, where, where people tell you what they're about to do. I'm going to start this podcast or a lot of them now to me, I'm going to write this book. They're yeah. about to do it. Whereas I would just say, why don't you just do it? And then let me see it when you do it. If you're going to write the book or the podcast, I'll listen to the podcast or I'll read the book or whatever. Instead of telling me what you're about to do, go and just do the thing and then let others talk about that one of my one of my good friends and one of the, the the most impactful leaders in the world right now is a guy named Brooke Cups. He's won a state championship for Central High School last year, the first ever in basketball. He's an amazing coach. Brooke is the ultimate doer when it comes to talkers versus doers. He just does it, just does the thing, and then lets everybody else talk about how how amazing he is, as I'm doing right now, unprompted, right? And that's that's what I mean. Like instead of in the world of talkers and doers, don't tell me what you're about to do, just go do the thing. Mm. We'll all talk about it. And then you'll be busy doing the next thing, which then we'll probably talk about. That's, that's what I mean by talkers versus doer. And, and, and part of it may be just because over the last handful of years, when I meet with people, I don't know why they feel like they need to say what they're about to do. I'm just like, just go do it. Just, just do it then. You know, you don't have to talk about it, just do it. And, and then we'll talk about it, uh, especially if it's really good. And then you can, you know, go, go do the next thing. So being from a sports background with kids and so forth now, we obviously both I have kids in sports as well, seven and nine or seven and ten. So they're they're still young and they're in their athletics and so forth. And um, what do you say to the parents who want to sort of make their kids the, you know, all star athletes? And that's what they you said. They don't you know, parents didn't cheer you on just for athletics There's other things like. I mean, they they were they they were and they are amazingly supportive, and they definitely cheered for us. They weren't mm -hmm. in the community yapping about how good we were, though. That's what I mean. So, yes. so I'm sorry. What was your question though about like? Yeah, I think sometimes we get confused. What's important to um, promote to our children, as far as or what what where areas to edify our children? And I think so many get caught up in solely edifying 
in athletics when the reality is most likely most of our children are not playing D1 college or professional in whatever sport. So sometimes I think we get off base when saying when the only time we edify our children is when they, you know, score, score a goal or whatever they're, whatever it is they're doing versus versus sort of harvesting and putting in an environment for them to grow in whatever area they're supposed to grow. Obviously you were a phenomenal athlete, right? I was very average at best. My parents never made a big deal of it. They just came to everything, put me on the best team I could be on for my skill level, so, so forth. So they're amazing at it. But I see, I coach now and I see so often parents are so hard at the youngest ages on their kids to go and excel. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't think this is, they're going to be that per Like there's no <laughs> natural ability. They just have heart. My son has all the heart in the world. Natural ability is relatively limited. But hey, he he loves to wrestle. He loves to play football. He loves lacrosse. So he's not bad. He's just not. I don't know that he'll be the all star. He can if he wants to be, but that's not my goal for him. It's whatever he wants. I agree. I, I mean, I, I think um, I think one of the biggest measures is, of kids is is what do they do when they have free time. Mm. Um, you know, I have a daughter who, if she has free time, she's asking me to to, to pass the volleyball back and forth mm -hmm. in the backyard, right? And no surprise, she's kind of excelled at that, but she also does really well in school. I think one of the other things to focus on, report cards just came out, so this is top of mind, that um, I, uh, I had a podcast guest years ago who, who brought this up, and uh, my wife and I, are, are, we try to be intentional. Obviously, you know, grades are important, but what's more important to us are just the small comments in the corner of the report mm -hmm. card from the teacher. The teacher says these types of things. We care about attitude. We care about effort. We care about kindness. Right. So we look for those kind of signals. And that's what we we really talk about. And we try to model that ourselves with them because they're going to watch what we do far more than what we say. But mm -hmm. before we even talk about the grades, we're looking for the little paragraph in the corner of the report card that that focuses on being kind, on being diligent, on being hardworking, on having a positive attitude. Right. Those things are far, far more important. Yes, we do want the grades to be good, too. Because I think that's that that monitors some of the work ethic um, and the and the discipline in order to do do the necessary work. So it's it, it goes hand in hand. But that's just those are just some of the little things that I think about when it comes to sports. It's just really about a few things: controlling your attitude, controlling your effort, and controlling how you respond to adversity. Because that's why sports mm -hmm. are amazing, mm -hmm. especially like I said, the volleyball tournament. They, in volleyball, you know, you play to twenty five, uh, best of three sets. So these girls are losing a lot. You have to respond to losing a point all the time, to, to going up for the hit and mm -hmm. getting stuffed by the blocker or, or them spiking it on you or, or, or you missing a pass. All of that is constant adversity that you have to bounce back from. So sports can be great in that regard. So I guess to wrap up like how I view that, and, and we are definitely a work in progress here where we mess up all the time, Sure. just focusing on kind of their behaviors mm -hmm. and the choices they make and their discipline and work ethic and kindness level at school. And then, and then especially in sports, how, like, are you a good teammate? How do you respond to adversity? How hard are you playing? What type of attitude? What's your body language? Right. None of that. I, I never mentioned the score. I never mentioned winning or losing. It was those, those things. Cause again, I think that relates to everything. If you take care of those things, I like our chances. I like mm -hmm. our chances of winning. And those are transferable skills for the rest of their life. So those, if you focus on these things, I don't, 
I almost don't even care about the rest or about the result is if they take care of their controllers, they, they take care of themselves being a good teammate, of them having good body language, of them having a good attitude, of them working hard, of them responding well to adversity. That's a win. That's a win for me. And then the score, it's going to be what it is. But those are the things that we, we try to focus on. And, and again, mess up all the time. But, but those, are, those are like kind of the grounding principles I try to think about. Mm, those are golden. I think sometimes as parents, we get so caught up in, oh, Bobby let that last goal go in. I mean, they forget there's a huge team in front of him, but whatever. Or that point was scored on my daughter. And then we almost let our own rough self-image get in the way to where now it's like, how does that make me look as, as the parent? And then we put that on our kids. Like, why did you let that go by you? And not focusing on what you just mentioned was, what's all right, what's his response? Is his head down or is he, is he fighting back? Because let's be honest, when you play sports, you're always going to mess up and it will be your fault sometimes and sometimes not or partially your fault or whatever. So I well, appreciate I mean, that. as my, my college coaches always said, hey, they're on scholarship, too. Uh, you know, sometimes yeah. they're going to they're going to beat you, you know, and that's and, and that's so that's why it's all about, like, how you're choosing to respond. And um, so you're not going to I would love when I watch my kids, but I would love if they just dominate every time, like. <laughs> but that's just not reality and in fact it would it would not be healthy or not be useful mm -hmm. for them if they just easily won every time it's good for them to have to, to to show some grit and to fight back and to respond when things get tough because that's to me i know this is heavy in the sports but to me that's been a just a huge i've, I've drawn so much from those moments that have helped me outside of the sporting world that it's like what can we take away to learn from this because you're right um, even if you are a professional athlete, you know, we, my brother did that for 11 years, but he still draws from that into the other things of his, of his life beyond just the, the time on the field. Mm. Ryan, leave our audience with one last piece of advice, one last piece of something that you think that would help them or be a benefit to them. Um, it, I, I think it all comes down to the who. I was recording with Jim Collins. You mentioned episode 216 on my podcast, and I was – really animated and energetic and excited he's you know one of my heroes maybe like at the top of the list and i was going on and on and on about why i was doing what i was doing and what i was doing and i was sharing how i was going to go about doing all this stuff and he's like hey 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 calm down a little bit man who is your who who's your mentor who are your friends who's your spouse who are you spending time with that will be the single greatest determining factor in your and your long-term performance who is your who? And so that's what I would I would urge people to think about. Who are you intentionally choosing to spend your time with? Who mm. is in your kitchen cabinet, as John Calipari told me when we recorded together at the Final Four? Like, who are those people that you can go to on a regular basis and talk to, ask questions, learn from? They're going to push you a little bit. They're going to help you. They're looking out for you. They're championing you. Who are those people? And uh, I've found sometimes, you know, you have to move on from some relationships and other ones you really have to reinforce and put more effort into them because that will be the single greatest determining factor in how you do is your who. So I would, uh, for anybody, I would really pause to think about that and, and say, what am I doing to ensure I'm building great, mutually beneficial relationships um, each day. And I think, uh, that, that gives you a, a better chance of things going well, if you've got that in, in line. Stay connected with Ryan. You can do that several ways on Instagram at Ryan Hawk 12, also on LinkedIn, Ryan Hawk 
Also go out and purchase his latest book, The Pursuit of Excellence, The Uncommon Behaviors of the Highest Achievers. Listen, thank you again to Ryan, our special guest, for having this amazing conversation with us about the pursuit of excellence. As always, we pray that you be the leader that God has called you to be. Stay connected here with us here on Unscripted, on uh, Unscripted Leadership on all social media platforms, our website, unscripted-leadership.com. And of course, you're going to find our podcast available on all streaming platforms. We're here to build bridges and not walls. Bridges connect and walls divide. Until next time, God bless you.